Well, good morning. Good morning. Hey, would you uh, would y'all give a hand clap to our praise and worship team? They're so good, and I'm glad that my little my little boy's back back home. Rhett's back in the in the fold, and and uh, it's good to have you home, son. It's good to be in. All right. Well, I'm back with you today. Um, thanks, Mom. <laughs> no. Um, shoot, it's good to see you all today. And, and um, we, we have been, uh, Lynette and I got down with the COVID uh, the last couple of weeks. And stuff's nasty, but you know what? Jesus is king. He's the healer. He's the one that, uh, that brings us through these things. And, and uh, praise God, we're, we're good. She, she comes out of quarantine today. I don't, I don't know uh, what that means, but she, we're, we're fixing to lose her again back into public. And uh, the, the lioness is going to roar. Um, anyways, uh, it's good to see you guys this morning. I want to welcome our Facebook Live and uh, other live pl- platforms, our communities outside. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Uh, we appreciate you guys so much. We, we love what goes on here, but what you do online and uh, the comments and things like that, we see those things. We appreciate you chiming in and, and uh, talking to us. Amen. So uh, with that, um, I'm just going to get into it today. Um, if you have your Bibles with you, go over to Job chapter 37, Job chapter 37. Some of y'all would call him Job, but his name is Job. And, um, and you know, most of us, most of us know or have heard the story of Job, right? Yes. We've heard it. It is a fascinating story. It's a fascinating book. It, it is one of those. It is, it is like the book of Revelation. You know, you just, you read it one time and you get confused a little bit, you know, Amen. and then you go back and read it again, get some more clarity, but still you get confused again. You know, Job is that same way because there's, there's some things in Job that we just, when we read it, it's, it's tough. It's hard. It's, it goes against some of our thinking sometimes, our Christian thinking. But let me tell you, let me, let me just encourage you. Read the book of Job. Go back and reread it. Read it again. And um, see what's going on. So if, you've, if you know who Job is and you, uh, you've heard of him, great. If you haven't heard of him, I'm going to tell you a little bit about it today. So um, it's a fascinating story. Job was considered a successful man, the most, cons- most successful man of his day. He was successful in so many different ventures. He was, a, he was a great family man. He was very wealthy. He was very prominent in the community. He had uh, a good name in the community. And um, Job was just a, just a good guy. He loved God. Uh, I like what... One part of his story says there in the Bible, it says that he was right with God, was moral, honorable, and he was ethically pure, and he shunned evil. He did not stay in a place where evil was. If evil come around, if somebody started telling dirty jokes or whatever, Job was gone. He just stayed away from those things. You know what I mean? Some of you all looking at me like, I don't do that. (laughs) Let me tell you a good joke. But he was a good dude, and Satan did not like that he was good. Matter of fact, Satan came, and, and um, he didn't come to Job. Satan went directly to God and began to debate God about Job. He's like, I don't like that guy. And, and I know that there's a place on the inside of him. Ever, even though he has a good name in the community, even though... He's such a good guy. He walks away from dirty jokes. He walks away from evil. He, he stays away. I'm going to tell you, God, this is Satan talking. He says, I'm going to tell you what. If you will take everything that he's got away from him, he will curse you. And God said, no, he won't. He said, yeah, he will. He said, no, he won't. He said, I'll tell you what. I'm not going to take everything away from him. You can have him. I'm going to step back and you can, you can mess with everything he's got except his life. You can't kill him. 
but you can mess with everything he's got. And so Satan did. And within a matter of hours, Satan, that Job went from here to here. Everything that he had within hours, Satan messed with. Took away all his wealth, took away all his crops, took away his kids. And for the next 40 chapters of Job, from the time Satan did that, the next 40 chapters takes up the time. Some, some scholars say it was 90 days. Some scholars say it was nine months that he went through these things. He started the journey of why. Job began to ask why. You ever ask why? Man, I've asked why so many times. He started the journey of why. That, that age-old question of when unexpected things begin to happen to you, you begin to explore why. And three of his four friends showed up. Three of four friends showed up in the first 30 chapters. You can read these three, friend, three friends come to him and try to convince him that he sinned is the reason this has happened to him. That he's another one can try to convince him you're just a hypocrite. Another one tried to convince him that you're presumptuous and you talk too much. And that he deserved far worse than what he was suffering at the moment. Now, how many of y'all need friends like that? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Even, even his wife, even Job's wife come to him. His wife, going through all this stuff. I mean, even though it's happening to Job, it's happening to her too. So she just comes up to him and says, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? Yeah. Gosh, with friends like that, who needs enemies, huh? But he had this fourth friend, this guy named Elihu. And Elihu brought a different perspective to Job. He was a younger guy. He was younger than the other guys that, that uh, were Job's friend. And so Elihu comes into his life and he begins to give this perspective of saying, Job, look, just continue in faith and humility and you'll find the answers of why. It's not that you sinned. It's not that you're a hypocrite. It's not that you talk too much. It's not that you you know, deserve worse. But if you'll stay in faith and humility, you're going to find your answers. And in the midst of Elihu's dissertation to Job, as he's talking to Job about God's awesomeness, it's the kind of friends that we need. Amen. He says something that really stood out to me, and it comes in, verse, in uh, Job chapter 37 and verse 1. I'm reading this today from the NIV. I don't read from the NIV. My father in the ministry would roll over in his grave if he knew I was talking about the NIV today. The nearly inspired version. <laughs> he would, before I go further, he would tell us, I got to, to minister in his school of ministry a few times and, and he would tell the students when they come in, if you've got an NIV Bible, throw it in that trash can. He did not like the NIV. I'll tell you about that some other time. But I am reading from the NIV today because it said it the best. Sorry, Pop. Here we go. Job chapter 37, verse 1 through 5. It says this. This is Elihu talking. He says, at this, my heart pounds and leaps from its place. Listen. Listen to the roar of his voice, to the rumbling that comes from his mouth. He unleashes his lightning beneath the whole heaven and sends it to the ends of the earth. After that comes the sound of his roar. He thunders with, with, a, with his majestic voice. And when his voice resounds, he holds nothing back. God's voice thunders in marvelous ways, and he does great things beyond our understanding. Let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father... 
thank you so much for this day. I thank you, God, for what you've got in store for us. Father, I thank you that when we go through these times of, of hardship and suffering, that like Elihu said, that we just need to remain in faith and be humble, and we will find what we need from you. Father, I praise you and I thank you for your word. I thank you for the reading of your word, that anytime we read your word, there is blessing that comes with it. So God, I pray that we would dig the blessing out today and make it a part of our life, that it would never leave us, never turn away from us, and that we would have your blessing all the days of our life in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In... Um, in the summer of 2015, I started noticing something going on in my body. The tremor in my left hand began to happen. It just, it just began to happen little bits at a time. And, and um, I, I, you, know how, you know how when you get really hungry and you start shaking? That's what it felt like. That's what it feels like. And it's just a tremor that, that just it comes on and, and you're like, stop, just trying to get control. And it started coming up and, and um, just, just noticing it started, I didn't know what it was, just thought it was just things happening, the, the stress or anxiety of being a pastor uh, began to happen and, and stuff like that, you know, 15 years and in it as a church and, you know, doing this day in and day out, thinking that the anxieties were getting to me, you know. And um, so later on in that year, towards the end of 2015, it became more prominent and more prominent. And I went through, well, we as a church went through some things at the end of 2015 that I had conversations with people in my office that were pretty traumatic. Um, those conversations where your adrenaline rises up. Yeah, have you ever had a heated conversation like that? I did, yes. Um, and that's where I noticed that it, I started being able to not control it at all. And it was during that time that this thing was happening and I was praying against it, didn't have a name for it or anything like that, but things were happening in my body. Towards the middle of 2016, I had, um, <laughs> I had to go to the doctor. I don't do doctors, but I had to go to just see a, a general practitioner guy in a clinic I had an ingrown toenail that I needed to cut out. And, and I, I hated that, but I needed it done. And so I go in there, and of course, you know, when you sit down in their room, they come in and they check your vitals and all that kind of stuff before they pull out their switchblade knife and go to digging. <laughs> and um, so he took my vitals, and he leaned over to, to listen to my heart, and he put his hand on my left hand, and it was on the arm of the chair, and he, he tapped my hand. He says, what's this? I said, I don't know, just a, just a little tremor that comes up every now and then, especially when I get into anxiety situations like sitting here in front of you with your switchblade knife. Um, and I said, you know, it's just a little thing. He says, well, I'm, I'm pretty concerned about that. I said, well, thank you, doc. Don't be. It's all good. And he said, he was the first one to say anything. He said, I'm concerned that it's Parkinson's disease. And I said, I rebuke that. But thanks for your concern. Now, do something with my toe. It hurts. <laughs> and so he said, he, he told me before he left, he said, I, I, really, I really would like you to go see a specialist. So thank you very much. I appreciate that. And so I did, I made an appointment with a, with a movement doctor and went to Denver, sat in this movement doctor's office. And he went through all these tests. His nurse practitioner went through all these tests and they come back with the diagnosis that I had 
early onset Parkinson's disease. And of course, when he said that, my ears started ringing. He was talking to me. I wasn't listening to anything he was saying. And it's just one of those things, you know, that that's um, pretty traumatic in a person's life. And and I, in in a way, felt like Job at that point. Here I am today, 1,560 days plus from that moment. And I've had my struggles and my Job moments through this whole process. And I found that I don't need friends like his. But what I have found is that I'm my own worst best friend. But I also have found that I have many Elihus in my life that have come around me. Since all of this has went down, you know, I know that as a pastor that my congregation prays for me. I know throughout all the years that that y'all have prayed and and, uh, been a part of my life and and things like that. And I've had countless prayers through this deal. I've had countless prophetic words. You know, people come to me and give me words and... and, um, God shares things with them to share with me, and I appreciate that. I've had people um, come to me and, and prophetically act things that they're seeing in the Spirit um, toward what's going on in my life. I've had countless moments of that in the last four or five years, and I've, I've stood in front of big ministry people, had, you know, if I, if I said their names, you'd know who they are probably. And I've stood in front of them and they prayed for me. I've stood in front of little kids and they've prayed for me. I've stood in front of seasoned Christians and they've prayed for me and gave me words. And I've stood in front of people who had just given their life, their baby Christians, just given their life to Jesus. Don't know how to pray. Come here from Sikkim about anything, but they come and pray for me. And I receive that prayer and it's so good and so refreshing, so awesome. But still, I struggle. And that's where these words of Elihu become the catalyst of faith. Elihu said this, he said to Job, he said, listen, listen to the roar of his voice, to the rumbling that comes from his mouth, He unleashes his lightning beneath the whole heaven and sends it to the ends of the earth. And after that comes the sound of his roar. The sound of his roar. He thunders with his majestic voice. And when his voice resounds, he holds nothing back. And God's voice thunders in marvelous ways. And he does great things beyond our understanding. He roars. He roars. That word roar there, in, and I found this definition of the word roar, and I love it. It says, it's a loud guttural cry implying a violent action will soon follow. <laughs> a loud guttural cry implying a violent action will soon follow. That's a roar. That's the roar of God when he thunders from heaven to earth. A violent action is fixing to happen. That roar is what makes thunder terrifying. That roar is what makes a warrior intimidating. And it's that roar that makes a lion the king of the beasts. Some people say, well, a lion is the king of the jungle. If you really look at those good, big, fat lions, they're not in the jungle. They're on the prairie. And they are the king of the beasts. I'll tell you why. It's because of the roar. We as humans, when we talk, the 
the decibels, the sound level that we talk in is from 25 to 35 decibels when we're just in conversation with someone. I'm a little bit louder now because I have this mic on, right? But anything above 85 decibels contributes to a human's hearing loss. Our pain threshold in decibels is 120 to 130. When I was a kid, my dad would take me to the NHRA Spring Nationals at the drag strip. We would go to the Spring Nationals and I would stand on that starting line when those top fuel dragsters would come up. And And you don't just hear them, you feel them. Because they're so loud. A, A top fuel dragster is about 155 to 160 decibels loud. Now remember, our pain threshold is 120. Our hearing loss is 85. Gunfire is 145 to 150 decibels. And if you go to a rock concert, it's about 135 to 145 decibels. Now I give you all that stuff to, to, to give you this, is that when a lion roars, a one of those Serengeti Lions, those big, thick, maned lions, when they roar, they roar, their roar is 114 decibels. The other day I was uh, doing Roger Mance's memorial service, and I said something in my message that my phone started thinking that I was talking to it. (laughs) And Siri comes back with, okay, I'll play Kanye West. (laughs) I I grab my phone. That has nothing to, I just heard a phone go off, so that reminded me of that. Never had that happen before. What was the last thing I said? A lion. A lion, a lion roars at 114 decibels. A lion's roar can be heard five miles away. There's no doubt in the minds of all living creatures that hears that lion roar that he is the king of the beasts and the king is in their presence. And when he roars, he announces to everything that can hear him within a five-mile radius, he announces, respect the roar. That's what I'm going to talk to you about today. Respect the roar. See, a few weeks ago, I was up here doing the transition and was, um, was just talking. I don't know where it came from. But God said to us during that transition time to respect the roar. We're living in the time that we need to respect the roar of God. And at that point, I really didn't know what I was saying, except hearing that phrase, respect the roar, until I read this verse, these verses here in Job chapter 37. And when I came across those verses, what stood out to me is when, Job, when, when Elihu says to Job there in verse 4, he says, when his voice resounds, when his voice resounds, that word resounds means to fill the whole space. He fills the whole space. When, when a lion roars, he fills the whole space. There's nowhere you can run to to get away except out of the radius of the roar. When his voice resounds, Elihu said, he holds nothing back. God's voice thunders in marvelous ways. He does great things beyond our understanding. See, when we live within the radius of his resounding roar, he is moving on our behalf. When we live in the radius 
of God's resounding roar. He's working on our behalf. You may not understand it. You may just hear the roar. Jesus was was preaching one time. I can't remember where it's at, but it says that he was preaching. He was saying some things and it, God spoke from heaven and he said, he said, listen to what he's saying. And the people that didn't understand what was going on thought it thundered. But it wasn't thunder. It was the roar of God. See what it means. What his roar means is that every scripture that we read, when you open up this book and you begin to read it, every scripture that you read, everything that begins to reach on the inside of you and start twisting and changing some things, every word scripture that we read is the roar of God. Every prayer that's prayed over us or through us is the roar of God, sending his thunder and lightning from heaven into earth. Every prophetic word that is given Everything that that the Holy Spirit begins to move in your life, everything that is of God is his roar in our life. And he's working. In December of 2019, that was just a few weeks, a couple of, it was a couple of weeks before we moved into this thing that we know as 2020. And that we're glad is gone, right? I'm glad just to get through that. But in December of 2019, the mother of this house, Pastor Lynette, who is the, I, I look at her and count her as the prophetic voice in our church. As she was looking into the new year, what God laid on her heart that I think you can still find it on Facebook live uh, video where she spoke these words, but she talked about 2020 and how 2020 was not just the start of a year of declaration. She spoke it from the point of that began a, 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 a um, decade of declaration. That 2020 was going to start a decade 10 years of declaration that when we begin to declare, there is a roar that's going to go out on the land and it's going to change some things. It's going to have to, because see, you can't have a revival without a dying of something. Something's got to die before it can be revived. And we went through, I believe last year was a time of things dying. Things dying, people dying. Things happen in our lives to, to, to bring about this um, thought, this, this revelation, so to speak, of things dying. And if things are dying, we need revival. Amen. Amen. And so she began to talk about the decade of dec- declaration. And that word declare in the, in the Bible means to announce, means to proclaim, means to expound. I found this scripture in, in Amos chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. Amos chapter, who's been reading Amos this week? Yeah, that's what I thought. But I found this. It says, indeed, the sovereign Lord never does anything until he reveals his plans to his servants, the prophets. Then it says in verse 8, the lion has roared. So who isn't frightened? The sovereign Lord has spoken, so who can refuse to proclaim his message? God does nothing without speaking through his prophets first. And Lynette began to talk about how this was a a decade of declaration. The declaration, what we begin to declare throughout this begins to change the world in which we live in. You may not change the politics and you may not change the, the media. You may not do that. But what you can change is within your realm of influence, in your homes and in your children. That's what needs to be changed. Because if, if we don't change them and we don't change us, 
then we can't change what's bigger than us. And he said, when the lion roars, who isn't frightened? His roar strikes fear. Let me just say this. That if you're not following his ways, his roar will scare you away. But if you are following his ways, his roar will cause respect. It'll cause honor to happen on the inside of him. We need to respect the roar. When God begins to roar, when God begins to declare, when God begins to proclaim everything when God starts roaring or when the lion starts roaring, the lion of the tribe of Judah, when he starts roaring, everything goes quiet because of fear. Not just because we're afraid, but because we respect the roar and we need to listen to the roar. So what I found putting this message together, what I found is there are natural effects about a lion's roar that happens in the spirit that begins to declare things. A lion's roar in the natural declares things. God's roar in the spirit declares the same things. So I want to give you three of those things that I found. Number one, a lion's roar declares its territory. A lion's roar declares its territory. So I was thinking about this. Where, where is a lion's place? When you're looking in the natural, you're, you go over to the Serengeti or whatever, and you're there, and all these wild animals are out there running around, and these lions are out there. Where is a lion's place? Any dang where he wants to be. <laughs> That's a lion's place. It's wherever he wants to be because he's the king of the beasts. And that territory, when he begins to declare, when he begins to roar and declare his territory, that territory is this, an area of which one has certain rights or responsibilities under the jurisdiction of and defended by a ruler. Let me say that again. The territory is an area of which one has certain rights and responsibilities under the jurisdiction of and defended by a ruler. That lion has rights and responsibilities in the area that he's at. And anything under that sound of the roar has rights and responsibilities there. But also known is that that lion has jurisdiction and has the right to defend that territory. Are you with me? In Joel chapter 3 verse 16, it says this, The Lord's voice will roar from Zion and thunder from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth will shake. It says he'll roar from Zion. What is Zion? Zion. Zion is the hill in which the temple was built in Jerusalem. It's the, it's the high point there in Jerusalem where the temple was built. That is Zion. But see, many times in today's vernacular, in today's times, Zion is symbolic of the kingdom of God. Everything contained within the boundaries of God's covenant is his territory and his territory is the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. If you're following him, if you're, if you're a Christian, if you are a believer, the kingdom of God is at the point of where your hand is. What happens in your realm When people come into your realm, they step into the kingdom of God. When issues come into your realm, they come under the the jurisdiction of the kingdom of God. 
It's the kingdom of God. That's his territory. And his word is the constitution to that kingdom. When we read his word and when we pull things from his word, when his word becomes alive on the inside of us, his word is his constitution. That is the rights and the privileges and the responsibilities that we have been given in his kingdom. And when he, de- when he roars, when God roars, he roars declaring his territory and saying, this is the kingdom of God and you're in it. If you don't want to be in it, you better run. But if you want to be in it, there is a place that God wants to work in your life. See, when we pray, when we pray for others, when we have prophetic words come to us, because we carry God's territory, we begin to declare God's territory and his roar to those around us. It's that roar from Zion. 1 Timothy 1.18 says, Paul says to Timothy, Son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage a good warfare. He said those prayers that's been prayed over you, those hands that were laid upon you, the, the words that were spoken over you, Timothy, these are yours to wage warfare. Are you getting this? That when we have those prayers, when we have those scriptures, when we have the prophetic acts that people, and I'm, I'm thinking of myself whenever somebody comes up and begins to pray for me and begins to pull, try to pull this, this tremor out of me and begins to pray over my brain and gives me words. Those things are great in the moment, but they become the very roar that begins to resound throughout my whole being. And it becomes things that I begin to wage warfare with those things. It's that guttural cry. It's that where a warrior becomes intimidating. It's that where thunder becomes terrifying. Because it's God's roar on the inside of you, given to you to wage war. And when we take up those covenant words, He, God resounds his roar. Declaring his territory. Anything that is not of his kingdom runs away in fear and everything of his kingdom is confident in their king. Number two, when a lion roars, it declares its pride. I'm not talking about the pride on the inside of us that rises up in arrogance. I'm talking about the pride that is a family unit. See, a lion has a pride. He has other lions in his family. A lion is not a lone wolf type of guy. He runs in a pack. He runs in a herd. He runs in a pride. Lions differ from every other big cat that is in the, that uh, differs from every other big cat because he communes together with his family. There's usually in a pride, there's usually two or three males. There's usually five to 10 females plus their young. So they could have anywhere up to 40 cats living in their pride, living in that roar radius. So if you, hear, if you go to the Serengeti and you hear a lion roar, rest assured his family is near you. <laughs> He's not the only one. He's just making the noise. It's his family that you got to watch out, watch out for. They hunt together. They eat together. They sleep together. They're a pride. And Joel 3.16 goes on and says this about the roar of the Lord. He says, The Lord, at the end of that verse, it says, The Lord will be a refuge for his people, a strong fortress for the people of Israel. See, a male leader, lion, 
His roar establishes the boundaries to other animals and peace to his pride. When he roars, he's establishing the boundaries. When he roars, he's saying, if you don't know you're in my territory, I'm letting you know to get out now or come in and test me. And that's what God does for us. When he roars, he establishes the boundaries. To everything else, he's saying, get out of the territory because my family needs my peace. My family needs to know that they're not going to be taken down. My family needs to know that I'm not leaving them and I'm not forsaking them. My family needs to know that I got their back. And my roar will bring peace to your life. Coming into the radius of the roar is a risk. Amen. Number, number three, when a lion roars, he declares its way home. He declares the way home. As a young lion goes on the hunt, it can begin to stray from its territory and into other territories of, of other animals and other predators other lions. And so the male leader of the the pride will roar and guide them back home. They may get out there and get lost. They may get out there and, and try to find their way, but it's the old lion's roar that declares a beacon to guide them back home. How many times when we read the Bible especially the Old Testament. When you read the Old Testament, how many times do you see Israel stray away from God? I mean, they stray away from God, and when they stray away from God, they get taken captive by other, other kingdoms, get held in bondage. But then there comes a day when the king begins to roar to pull them out of that bondage, to pull them out of those territories. When God began to roar in Egypt, Moses began to declare, and when Moses began to declare, he began to declare the roar of saying, we got to come out. And God roars and brings the people to his place. Whether through rebellion, straying because of rebellion, or straying because you just want to do right. Some people just, just want to do right. That's how they got into Egypt anyways. They just wanted to do right. They were following God in a time of famine, and they, they wanted to do right, but they went to Egypt and they overstayed their welcome and got taken captive, became slaves. But then God began to roar. God never gave up on them. And I've got good news for you today that he's still roaring and God doesn't give up on you. You may feel like you've taken a thousand steps away from God, but one roar from heaven can bring you back. One roar and one step and you're back with him. In the book of Hosea, I know I'm giving you a lot of Old Testament scriptures, but man, this is, this is good stuff. In the book of Hosea, chapter 11, verse 10, it says, for some day the people will follow me. For some day the people will follow me. I, the Lord, <coughs> will roar like a lion. And when I roar, my people re- will return trembling from the west. He says, just be listening. I don't know where you're at today and I don't know where you're going or why you're there. Or how come you feel the way that you do? And you may feel like that you're away from God. But let me tell you something. God is roaring today. Because of what is being preached, he is roaring. He's saying, look, I haven't left you. I haven't forsaken you. I haven't walked away from you. Even though you may have walked away from me, I haven't walked away from you. And I am roaring today. I am declaring that you will return. So please return. Come home. Come home.
Are you feeling sick? He's roaring healing into your life. Are you feeling chaos? I don't know about you, but I felt chaos this last few weeks. But he's roaring peace back into our life. Are you, are you feeling lack? He's roaring abundance. Are you feeling held captive by a habit, by a doing just making, making bad choices? He's roaring rescue. Are you feeling like things are dying around you? He's roaring revival. Elihu said to Job, he said, listen, listen to the roar of his voice, to the rumbling that comes from his mouth. His, he unleashes his lightning beneath the whole heaven and he sends it to the ends of the earth. After that comes the sound of his roar. He thunders with his majestic voice and when his voice resounds, he holds nothing back. God's voice thunders in marvelous ways and he does great things beyond our understanding. He holds nothing back. So as we were watching the book of Revelation come to life, as we're watching the pages unfold, As we're watching things happen in our life, I want you to understand something. In Revelation chapter 5, it says that there is only one that is worthy to undo the scrolls, to undo the seals of the scrolls of the end times. There's only one worthy of undoing that, and he is called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And as we're seeing this unfold, understand that this is not out to get you. The end times that we're watching beginning to unfold in our lives and in this world that we're living in is not unfolding against you. It's unfolding for you because the lion of the tribe of Judah has to open it, has to open it and roar. And every time he pops one open, he roars. And it should be that place of declaring the territory, declaring his pride declaring the way home for each and every one of us as we go through these times, as we hear the roar. It is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He came the first time as a lamb. He comes the last time as a lion. And he's roaring. Don't be afraid of the times. Be afraid of the roar. Because being afraid of the roar is not running in fear and hiding from God. It is respecting the roar and stepping into the honor of what roar is all about. He's declaring his territory over you. You are his territory. He's declaring you as a part of the family. He is declaring you as a way home. When you hear his roar, you are home. Amen? Amen. Did you get anything out of this today? Let me pray for you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. God, we want to hear your roar. God, as as that lion begins to roar in the Serengeti and as the other animals around begin to hear that and they fall into a place of holy fear, God, I pray that your word, I pray that during this time, especially as we are going through a time of fasting and prayer, a time of fasting and prayer and worship, as we're going through this time of, of this, Father, help our ears to be tuned toward heaven. Help our ears to be tuned toward the roar that is coming from the lion of the tribe of Judah.
Father, I thank you and I praise you for your son, Jesus. I thank you, God, that he is, he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that if there's anybody here under the sound of my voice or listening on the internet or podcast or however people are hearing my voice right now, God, if there is anybody here that has strayed, who has walked outside, who has gotten away from the territory, Father, I pray right now as I speak these things that your roar would bring them home. Your roar, your roar would bring them that step back into the territory that we need to be in. And Father, I pray that if there's anyone listening that has never stepped into your territory, that has never said, Jesus, come into my life, has never said, yes, I want to follow you, Jesus. If you have never stepped into his family, right now is the time to do it. Because Jesus Christ came to this earth as a lamb. And he died as a lamb. But he was resurrected as a lion. And he wants to be a part of your life. It's the lion of the tribe of Judah that wants to be a part of your life. If you've never said yes to him, today is the time to say yes. Right now is the time to say yes. Because what will get you into his territory, what will get you into his family, what will get you into the place of being home, a true home. Your, your home is not on this earth. Your home is a heavenly realm as you live on this earth. If you've never said yes to him, say yes to him today. Say, Jesus, I want to I be a part of your family. I want to be a part of your life. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you was resurrected from the dead. And when you were resurrected from the dead, you have given me new life. I say yes to you today. So Father, I thank you and praise you for each and every person who's praying that, who is saying that. And I thank you for those that are coming back home. And God, I pray that as we walk through these end times, as we walk through these times, that Father, we will listen, follow, and respect your roar. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.